Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Everybody, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I have got uh, Mike Freeman, Michael Freeman, actually, with me today. Thanks for thanks for being here, Mike. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah. So for those that don't know about uh, Big Mike, right? You were obviously a, a baseball player uh, in College Oklahoma State and had a really good story. But I've known you for a long time, and we really want to dive into kind of your early early years upbringing and what what that was like. Yeah, so uh, obviously we met in, in high school there, uh, freshman math, I think, and, <laughs> and and you were my first friend when I got to Bishop Kelly, honestly, uh, and and now at this point, like you're my longest friend that I that I've really stayed close with uh, and my best friend. So starting with that, like really happy to to have your friendship, and, and it's been a huge blessing in my life. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I grew up in, in Broken Arrow. Uh, I've got a big family. My parents uh, each had two kids prior to getting married to each other and then had two more. So I have five siblings. And uh, now I have, uh, I mean, we have a large family. I've got a couple of kids. My sister's got three kids. Um, and then we got a lot of dogs and everything. Our, our family get togethers. It is a packed house, man. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in, grew up in Broken Arrow, <clears throat> went to Broken Arrow my whole life, ended up going to Bishop Kelly for high school, played football and baseball and ended up just playing baseball, uh, junior, senior year, uh, went to Eastern, uh, Oklahoma State College and, and played baseball there for, for three years. I uh, redshirted my first year and, uh, then ended up going to Oklahoma State, which, <clears throat> you know, whenever I was in the middle of, of being a, of my career, my tenure at Eastern, you don't think that it's, you know, you, sometimes it feels like it's just unattainable. Like that's the big leagues basically. And uh, so I ended up at Oklahoma State and, and it was just a huge blessing. And, and that, that in itself was a God thing. Uh, and things just lined up perfectly. But uh, then ended up getting to go play with the Astros for a couple of years and, and finish my baseball career playing some uh, independent league baseball. Yeah. So for those that don't know, when we first met in math class, you were the one you, we met because you were looking off, you know, my, my answers basically copying, copying yeah. my stuff, right? Basically. You're the reason that you're the reason I, I graduated high school. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know, you said you had a big family, uh, you got a younger brother and you got uh, some older siblings as well. Was competition something that was important growing up uh, with you guys or what was that like? Uh, not so much. Uh, my my oldest sibling, my oldest sister is 13 years older than me. So uh, we're pretty spread out. And then and so it's 13, 11 and almost 10 years difference. Uh or nine years, sorry. So 
somewhere the math somewhere right in there. there. Yeah, <laughs> I was a math whiz. Uh, and then and then my brother's three and a half years younger than me, so our brothers were the same age too, uh, which was which kind of lined up perfectly for us. But um, yeah, it not not so much. Uh, my my parents weren't athletes. Uh, they didn't really play sports growing up, and but we were always encouraged to to compete uh, in in athletics or or just be involved was really my parents' big thing. It wasn't necessarily that we had to go compete or had to go do something, had to go play a sport or that they forced us to play sports. But we were we had to do something. And it was stay busy and be involved or. I don't know, because that was never an option. I just always was. So, um, yeah, I think competition was a big part of my life just because of of what I did playing sports, but it wasn't necessarily a huge thing uh, within our family unit. Sure. And so playing different sports, you know, when did you start doing that at a young age or what was that like for you? Yeah, I played played uh t-ball and you know starting at like four years old and little little dribblers basketball i don't know if you played little dribblers but it was little little dribblers i can't even really say that i'm getting tongue-tied uh, and then i played a year of soccer and i that did not work out <laughs> that is not that was not my deal but uh you know from from four years old i played baseball up until uh, i retired and always always loved it Oh, and, you know, baseball wasn't always the number one uh, for a long time. I remember the joke being like, what's your favorite sport? Well, uh, it's baseball season, so it's baseball. It's football season, so it's football. It's basketball season, so it's basketball. Uh, and so I, I just always enjoyed doing it uh, up until I didn't. And so that that is that's what I enjoyed doing. That's what I spent a ton of time doing. Yeah. And so you played all different types of sports. So you were able to, you know, develop as an athlete in terms of um, playing football, playing soccer, uh, doing basketball, working on hand-eye coordination, all these different things that you learn throughout playing different sports, also working with teammates and every sport has a little bit different intricacies, but um, you had the ability to go do that at a young age. And so you talked about really enjoying whatever sport that you were in at the moment. Yeah. Um, when did it become apparent that you wanted to strictly play, play baseball? Uh, I don't think it was, it wasn't necessarily so much strictly play baseball. Whenever I got to high school, I didn't want to, baseball was at that point, you know, you get into middle school and baseball is my favorite. I like playing basketball, but I was tall and super skinny and uncoordinated. And it was just like, man, that's probably not it. Even though I was tall, like, I, the big guys are big guys and I would have just got thrown around the court, honestly. Uh, so then I, I was like, well, I don't want to lose baseball season for basketball. So I just started, I, I dropped basketball and just played football and baseball. And, and then once I got into to high school, I think my, my freshman year, I, I really enjoyed it still. Uh, but getting into my sophomore year, I got hurt that year. And then I, you know, my sophomore year, I got hurt again. And, uh, it just kind of got to the point where I was like, man, I, whenever I don't, I don't enjoy the work for it. I don't enjoy the practice. I don't enjoy all the stuff that came along with it. Like I, the games are okay and it's fun. 
but you know, I was very average anyways. And I was like, well, let's, let's play fall baseball and let's really dive into this a little bit more. Uh, cause that's, that's ultimately what I decided I want to do. So, uh, I guess to answer your question, probably about, you know, sophomore year of high school is when I would, you know, I was like, let's just play baseball. Mm-hmm. And you go from, from broken arrow to Bishop Kelly. Why did you make that, that transition? Well, uh, it, mainly it was academics, honestly. Um, going through it, I, I wasn't being pushed academically at Broken Arrow. Uh, even taking pre AP classes and stuff like that. Uh, I had a great group of friends. I had uh, people that I'd grown up with since I was in probably kindergarten that that I was there with, and and that I cared about and that cared about me, uh, but. It just came down to that. That was the choice that uh, my parents brought to me, or the option my parents brought to me, and we decided we we're going to do it. And, uh, and it, man, it was it was it was leaps and bounds academically above where where Broken Arrow was. And that's no knock on Broken Arrow. It's just resources and things like that, and smaller class sizes. Uh, and and I got an incredible education at, at Bishop Kelly. Uh, but I do always joke that the irony of all that is then I went to junior college and redshirted. So I was in junior college for three years and Bishop Kelly was absolutely harder than college, yeah. uh, which it shouldn't be. But uh, I mean, it, I really, I was prepared to go be successful uh, probably anywhere that I could have gotten into in college uh, because of that education. And, and that, I think that really, helped me grow that way. It really pushed me. It made me work hard and not just get by uh, academically. And that's, I was always able to, I mean, I did my homework and I did like, it wasn't a drag all the time. I didn't hate doing it, but there just wasn't things that just constantly pushed me. Uh, so uh, that was, that was a huge blessing uh, for that. My dad was willing to go work extra and, and uh, provide that education for me. Yeah, and let's let's touch on that real quick. You know, you have two great parents. You talked about you know, your dad working extra to provide you an opportunity to go to a place that might be a little bit better academically and push you a little further than maybe uh, the other opportunity was at Broken Arrow. Uh, what did you get to see and learn from your parents growing up that you admire today for what they did? Man, my dad, absolutely, uh, just working hard. Uh, that, that's probably the number one lesson I've, I've learned from my dad is just just work. Uh, and that's something that carried me through athletics that carries that whether athletics, my marriage, anything, I, I think he really ingrained that in me as a person just to work. Uh, and he's the hardest worker I know. Uh, and he would do anything for for any of us to, to take care of us and never have a thought about it. Uh, and that's, that's something about my dad that I really admire. Uh, it didn't matter. And, and he never missed any, he never missed things uh, unless he was working to provide us to be able to do those things. Uh, so, and, and I, that's one of those kind of the way your parents raise you really affects you, how you treat your kids and, and those things, whether it's, doing the good that your parents did or trying to overcome where you feel like your parents fell short and, and he didn't get very much support in those extracurricular activities. 
uh, and and who knows where he would have been if he had that. And so, uh, at, you know, from a from a young age with all of his kids, it was un, unwavering support for whatever we wanted to do. Uh, and to this day, uh, whatever we want to do, you know, he's he's got our back, and and he'll he'll take care of us in any way he can. Um, so for my dad, I, I would say the the biggest thing was probably just my dad taught me how to work. Uh, and my mom, uh, um, so, so many things, uh, my mom and I spent a lot of time in the car going to base, mainly baseball tournaments, but, you know, athletics all the time, but mainly baseball tournaments whenever we got into high school. And, uh, I mean, we had a 2001 Suburban and I don't know how many miles me and my mom put on that thing, uh, driving all over the literally all over the country like up to illinois to to chicago to play a tournament out to there's there was one trip it was we were gone for about two weeks and it was up to chicago over to georgia and back and uh man we we spent a lot of, a lot of time together and so um i think my mom's faith in god is probably the the biggest thing that that she has shown me and continues to show me uh, with her life. Um, no matter what's going on, it was that that was the priority for her, uh, and and the importance of having a relationship with God. And and my mom is a very you know how calm my mom is, uh, and just giving of grace. Uh, and so that's not necessarily my biggest strength. So that's something, uh, whether, you know, mainly the giving of grace and, and those type of things, those are, that's what my mom showed me uh, and continues to show me. And she, like, the way I describe my mom is like, if I tell people, you know, what are your parents like? My, my mom is too nice. She is so <laughs> nice that it'll make you angry that she's trying to do so much for you. And like, just relax, just let us, let's just hang out. Let, let me take care of you. But my mom always wants to be the one. Well, I don't want to inconvenience you by asking you to do something. It's like, well, I'll, I'll tell you no, mom. But, <laughs> and she just like, she always thinks about everybody first uh, in, in what she does. And, uh, and so that just, I get, and from both of them, I guess, ultimately what that comes down to is service. Um, so just learning to take care of people. Uh, and that has obviously led me kind of to where I'm at now. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you get to sit there and see how impactful your parents were to you growing yeah. up, but also I think you pointed out a really good point is that sometimes it's the things that they do well that you carry over, but also maybe the things that, that if you didn't have good parents, like it's, it's overcoming maybe some setbacks that, that people have. And, and thankfully you had some great parents, but uh, you know, for many people, it's just, it's all situational and just trying to, trying to better improve, you know, the lives for your kids and, and, uh, help them become great people and, and be great servants too. So yeah, that's really cool to hear. Um, you know, going back into high school, you were traveling all over the country. Uh, you started honing on baseball. You actually, you were football, like you talked about before. And I, and mm -hmm. I was just thinking just now, I <laughs> had a good story. I remember one of the first times I think we were hanging out. Uh, I was a quarterback and you were a quarterback. And so we we're in the backyard at my house and uh, yeah. we just went out to throw the football. And so I thought, well, this will be pretty funny. We'll see what he thinks. 
so I grab the football and I start throwing it to you, but I grab it literally not like you would gripping a football, but just basically like just grabbing it when you're picking it up yeah. and start throwing it. And it's a duck. I mean, it's a duck. <laughs> and then you throw it back and I, I throw it again. And then I finally, I finally lose it. Cause I'm like, you just lost it, man. I lost it. Yes. <laughs> this guy's thinking, Oh man, man, if this is, this is a quarterback. I'm definitely going to be playing over here. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, I had not thought about that in a long time. Yeah. yeah. That was, it's a good a good memory, but uh, anyway, going back to baseball, you're traveling around the country, uh, spending a lot of time working on your craft. Um, you know, you started to go into your senior year. What was that like for you? Because you were pitching. I think at one point you were kind of moved to first base a little bit uh, for a period of time, um, and and basically talk about your experience playing high school and then working into college because it wasn't like you were some highly, highly sought after uh, college recruit from, you know, the big, the big schools, right? Yeah. So um, everybody, and, and I think Rashad Wright kind of talked about the same type of thing of, you know, you expect to, when that first day they can call you, you expect to get calls. Uh, and so many people have been like, oh, you're six, seven and left-handed. Everybody wants a six, seven lefty. Like you're going to be able to go wherever you want. And, I didn't feel that way, but then so many people start telling you something as a 16, 17 year old kid, you're like, Oh, okay. I mean, maybe <laughs> so. And so we're, we're in the summer and I'm playing with a team that's man, like I think five of those guys went to division one schools. And so it was the summer before they actually went to college and I'm playing with them and we're a really, really good team. And I was the, I was probably, I was the worst player on that team. Uh, and that was a situation where they made me better, like considerably. Uh, and I had to play to their level or I wouldn't have been playing. Uh, the other part of that is all the guys that pitched on that team are like 85 to 90 plus mile an hour arms. And I'm over here like 76, 78 miles an hour because I'm just a string beam trying to throw a baseball. And so everybody else at all these tournaments is throwing cheese because they're these good teams. And, you know, they've got these Division One arms. There's scouts all over the place. And then everybody goes from that to basically me throwing underhanded to them and they can't, they can't slow down to it. And so I have, I'm having a ton of success against these really good teams and I'm like, man, you know, I might get a chance. And so I think it's it's June 1. There, you know, Division One schools are allowed to call in the summer before your junior year. And so I'm like, uh, you know, cool. I can't, I'm excited. You know, that first, that first day goes by, I'm like, nobody calls. <laughs> it's like the first few days, nobody calls. First week, month, nothing. Uh and so I go to my coach and I'm like, Hey, uh, is this normal? Like what's going on? Uh, like nobody, not even no junior colleges or anything. And he's like, man, to be honest with you, like, you're not going to be a, a guy that signs real early. Like you're probably going to be a junior college guy, you know, unless you start throwing order. Uh, cause guys, they don't want to recruit guys that are, are two to three years out from making an impact in their program. Uh, and so, I was like, 
that that was kind of a shot to my my pride a little bit just because I'm playing with all these guys and I feel like I'm keeping up with them guys that are there you know you play with a Matt Reynolds that's a, a big leaguer uh, and and some other guys that are are big time recruits and playing against these guys and competing with them at all these tournaments that are that are draft picks that are you know SEC Big Twelve uh, athletes gonna are about to be and feel like hey I I can play with these guys I should I should be getting recruited too and uh, so that that was a bit of a struggle for me at first. Because uh, I was like, well, if nobody thinks I'm good enough, then why do I? Like, no, none of these schools want me. Then why am I working so hard? Uh, and to be honest with you, at that point, I wasn't working that hard. I felt like I was, but I didn't really know what that looked like. Uh, I didn't really know what it took. And so that took a, that that was a point where I kind of had to decide, hey, I I've really got to get after. I need to start working harder, and there's things I need to do to to get better. Uh, to to move to the next level uh, so I don't ultimately even I don't remember what what the what your question really was but uh, that's kind of from high school moving into college that's kind of what happened and and so what ended up happening you know junior colleges basically get what's left uh, or they get those big and I don't feel like it's happening as much anymore as the way things have changed with the draft but uh, those junior colleges get to come clean up those players that don't sign D1. Uh, and, and there's no sense in them recruiting early because junior college is so in and out and changes every two years. The landscape of it's so different. So I didn't even end up uh, committing until spring break of my senior year. And here I am, you know, the summer before my junior year thinking, hey, it, I'm going to get recruited and sign. Uh, and so that that was definitely a, a lesson in in patience, uh, and that kind of brings me to the point of my life has been uh, a whole lot of God God humbling me. Uh, and so one one thing I try to never say anymore at this point in my life is I would never, <laughs> because every time I have said I would never, God has been like, watch this, watch this, bud. And I, you know, I remember driving, they had the big 5A, uh, 5A shootout in McAllister every year, the big 5A tournament for the whole state. And so all the, all the 5A schools, at least the ones that are pretty good and go there and it's a big spring break ish time and everybody's there and you get to see like, we didn't play Edmond Deer Creek. We didn't play Carl Albert and stuff like that throughout the year. So that you get to see those schools. Um, and so I remember we were at the shootout and some of those games were played at Eastern. And so we're staying in McAllister, playing it at Eastern in Wilberton, driving out into what feel a kid from Tulsa who grew up in the city or from Broken Arrow that grew up in the city and driving out into Wilberton, Oklahoma through all these winding roads and hills and just a bunch of trees and like out into the great abyss of nothing. <laughs> I remember being on the bus, turning around to someone and saying, I would never play here. I would never come out here and play baseball. Uh, and then I had a buddy my senior year, he was a freshman in college and he got hurt and got redshirted. And I was like, if I got redshirted in junior college, I would quit. 
I would, there's no way I would. Uh, and to me, that was just like the ultimate disgrace is getting redshirted at junior college. Like you're already having to go to junior college, which is in my eyes, like as a senior in high school, like the lowest of the low. And then you're told you're not good enough to play there and you get redshirted. And so, you know, then we, you know, moving on into professional baseball, I would never play independent league baseball. I, I wouldn't. And I guess even before that, there's, there was some other things um, that, you know, but these are just kind of some highlights, but there have been several, it seems like every time I say I would never do this or I would never do that, God's like, I'm going to line it up so that that's what happens to you. Like you need, you need to understand that it's not what you want. It's what I have lined up for you. Uh, and so I try to never say that because I try to never feel that thing of like, I would never, uh, you know, like God put me where I need to be. And, and that's been my prayer for a long time. Uh, whenever I felt all the movement of baseball of, uh, you know, that the relationship with Delaney, my wife of, you know, that I feel like she's the one is this, is this where we need to go? God? Like, or should we get engaged? Like, is this my wife? Like, put me where I need to be. Uh, show me that place. Uh, where should we live in the off season? Like, put me in the place to have the success, to build the relationships, to do what I need to do to take care of, of my family then at that point. Uh, and then moving through baseball, like, obviously, everything, you always want to move up to the next level. Uh, and that's very humbling to pray that as well. Because I'm sitting there like, let's go, let's go. I'm freaking killing it put me in like put me in double a put me in the big leagues let's go like i'm ready and uh you start to kind of get back to that place like i shouldn't be here i, I don't want to wait uh, but to humble yourself and pray to god and, and say put me where i need to be uh is a place where you find peace ultimately uh, and so that's something even now like i uh building a business or uh, uh, you know training dogs and learning those things like what do I want to do with that uh, it's not my will it's it's God's will in my life and and so that those are the things that in my prayer life that I pray is put me where I need to be show me where I need to go show me how to do it uh, or you know or uh, not necessarily directly speaking to me but put me in the place, show me the things, teach me the things so that I know what to do. So that that is my, that is reactionary. Those things are reactionary. So, uh, man, uh, it's just been very hot sports, baseball, especially assembling already. Uh, but then to add in the, the personal experience of, I would never, I, this isn't something I want to do. Well, it really doesn't matter. Because what's going to happen is is what God wants to happen, what God has lined out for us, and uh, so I've I've had to really set a lot of of my somewhat selfish uh, ideas or just what I've decided is going to happen uh, isn't isn't ultimately what matters. Yeah. <clears throat> oh man, that's a that's a great point. But there's a lot to unpack in that. You know when you started talking about just going back to, you know, your high school experience and you had people around you at the time that, that were able to actually tell you the truth, that kind of, you know, maybe you had a little bit of a thought process behind where you were going to go and be. 
And then also maybe you felt like you were working hard, but you really weren't working hard enough to get to where the level you wanted to be at. So you had people yeah. that, that were speaking a little bit of truth to you, even if it was hard to hear, which yeah. you had a little bit of humility to say, all right, they're probably right. I need to work a little harder. This is what I need to do. But still going back to your story a little bit, you know, you didn't have a ton of, you know, high level offers or things like that. And you sit there and you're on the bus and saying, I would never go to junior college. I'd never redshirt. So, and then all of a sudden you're going to junior college, you're redshirting, you know, but at the time too, I want to take people back is, you know, if they got to watch you play, especially as of recently, you know, you've, you've really, you've changed a lot physically. You put in a lot of work to like get stronger and bigger and you've also grown in your body. So at this time you were, I mean, you were six, seven and you were real skinny, like you were still growing in your body. So that, that's a yeah. process too, but ultimately you wind up going to Eastern have an opportunity to play baseball in college, which was a step closer to where you wanted to go. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but you had to redshirt, which, you know, obviously you talked about it, not necessarily being, it's like the, the low of lows. <laughs> yes. and, and so talk to us a little bit mm -hmm. about stepping into that position, redshirting at Eastern, but also the mindset behind like, man, I'm, I'm not getting the offers of the looks that I want. Uh, and I'm not really in a place that I want to be at, but yet, I know where I want to go and I'm still, I'm going to work very, very hard and be very diligent about getting to that point, point in that place that I want to go. So, uh, what you talked about, I had a lot of people that, that were in my corner, but spoke truth to me, or I had a few of them that, that really had the knowledge and the wherewithal. My parents didn't play sports growing up, like I talked about, and they hadn't been through a college recruiting experience. So, they see me having success and my, my parents and I are kind of on the same page with all that. So luckily I had, I had met people and then uh, kind of made connections with people who had connections and ended up getting on that team to get to that place. So uh, making those connections very early on, literally uh, someone that I met whenever I was six years old, uh, which Clay Overcash, who, who probably, uh, has other than other than rob walton and and josh holiday probably he's he's been the most influential uh, in my baseball journey and then honestly no disrespect to them but i clay has been there the whole through the whole time uh, that i played baseball uh, whenever clay was when clay was a kid coaching high school baseball essentially uh and and i was I mean, literally five or six years old. Uh, he's been somebody that we've always leaned on and, and sought advice and things like that. And so uh, that that has been, there's been a lot of people that have really been there and, and spoke that truth to me, uh, whether it's whether it's about baseball or now, uh, that, it, that really, really helps. Um, what what else? What else were we? What else were you? Uh, I, that that was just something I wanted to say. Uh, so, take take me back to what you, what you were saying because now I've lost <laughs> I've lost my uh, sense of what you were saying. <laughs> no, I was just saying that. Uh, talk a little bit about you know you had people along the way that you just talked about Clay and Coach Walton, Coach Holiday <clears throat> that helped you, but you had people at a young age that gave you some truth and some good advice. But also at the same time, talk about what it's like when you are at that place where you realize, okay, maybe 
I'm not as good as I think I am. I need to work harder. You're on teams that you might not be the best player. But because a lot of people, I think they either get in a position where they're in that spot and they say, man, I just don't have what it takes. Or people get in that spot and they're like, man, like, I know I'm not at that level with a lot of these guys, but I'm going to get to that level. And you're kind of like that underdog mentality. Like, how did you have that mentality and continue to work forward and and have a, a goal in mind of where you wanted to get? Uh, I, I guess having that goal in mind ultimately is what it was. Uh, and even still, uh, whether no matter what it is, uh, I, I like to set goals for myself because if I don't have a goal, I don't really know where I'm going. Uh, it's like if if you don't know what you're shooting at, you never miss. Uh, so setting setting goals for me is a huge deal, whether it's uh, per- personally, relationally, uh, like with my wife and I in our marriage or raising kids or financially where we want to be or what, whatever it might be uh, at the fire department, uh, what, what I want to do and for, you know, throughout my career or the type of person I may want to be. Uh, so setting goals, I think is, is a huge thing for me. Uh, Cause if I don't, I, I have to have a target and I have to have something to aim for and strive for, or you just feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels. I, I don't really feel like I'm going anywhere. Uh, if I, if I don't know where I'm going, you just kind of feel like you're driving in circles. Uh, so, so that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, and I think, just my dad teaching me from a, from a young age to work. Uh, and I just didn't ever, I felt like, okay, I want to go play college baseball. That's just something that God had laid on my heart. And so that's just what I was going to do. It wasn't ever like a, well, should I, or shouldn't I? And, uh, you know, sometimes you get people around you that, that can negatively affect that as well. Uh, of like, well, you know, do you really want to go play? Like, is that really what you want to do? Or do you want to come hang out? Do you want to go to college and just party and have fun and be, you know, be with this group of people uh, and not have all that responsibility that sports are? Well, it's not going to be that fun. You're just going to have to work. It's going to be like having a job. Uh, And so, you you know, if you don't have that goal, of I want to play and I know why I just want to, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, you can easily get deterred off of that. Uh, and I think part of that's just stubbornness. I, you, you've known me as long as anybody. I'm just freaking stubborn. I decided I was going to play college baseball, so I did. Uh, and I wasn't the body type to be successful. And so I get to Eastern and I said to myself, uh, maybe out loud, I don't know. I, I will talk to myself. I'm not scared to. Uh, <laughs> But like, like they say, as long as you're not talking back, that's when it gets weird. <laughs> so uh, saying to myself, I'm here to play baseball. Uh, and if I want to, if I want to be worth a crap, I've got to throw harder and to throw harder, I've got to be stronger. Uh, and you look around and see these guys and, you know, John, you know, my freshman year, I'm showing up playing with John Gray, who's, been in the big leagues with the Rockies for however a long time at this point and and he was a you know a top round draft pick out of OU and uh, playing with playing with guys that are playing at a really high level and and more guys that that are division one guys that are that are that are sought after and so you see where those guys are 
And it's not like, well, I just want to play with those guys and, you know, maybe I'll get looks. Like, I want to be the guy that's bringing the scouts in for my boys too. I don't want to just be the one that, that oh, maybe there's a chance that this scout shows up to watch somebody else and I get lucky and get picked up. Uh, so I just made that decision whenever I got to Eastern of if I want to be successful, I've got to get stronger to throw harder. And that first – within that first year – I was just a very light bloomer, honestly. And you talked about, you know, my body type, which you've said that a couple of times. I was six. So I, I was about the height I am now, maybe maybe a quarter, half inch shorter. So I was about six, eight. And I weighed in at our first team meeting at Eastern at 197 pounds, which is a complete, just a bean pole, man. Uh, and so here's a funny story. So we have our first team meeting and, and there's a classroom that's up at the, in the basketball gym. And we had a lot of team meetings there when we were at Eastern. So we'd show up and we go up there and we have our meeting and, you know, we go around, everybody's kind of getting to know each other. There's the guys that have been there for a year or two. And so they already know each other. And so you're kind of talking to them and coach is trying to get to know you and it's tell me a little bit about yourself, blah, 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 all that stuff. Okay, come up here. We're going to get your height and your weight for the roster because they, you know, scouts want to know that stuff. And so I walk up there and, you know, it's the, it's the old school, you know, we're, we're at Eastern. It's not, it's not an electronic scale. It's not a nice one. I mean, this one's scuffed up, the paints, it's probably rusted out. Uh, and so, you know, he's tapping it across, gets my weight 197 pounds. And I think it was probably one of those deals where he set it up to like 200. And it just didn't touch it. And he's like, ah. and he, you know, that, that hits your pride. He's got to knock it back to the 150 and then it's worked his way back, back up there. But so then it's, it's the old pull the stick out to measure how tall you are. Right. And so he pulls it up and he's done it however many times before me. And uh, this is Eric Thomas with AT. He's an awesome dude. And so he pulls it up. And pulls go, you know, gets it up there, pulls it, plumb out of the out of its little socket. And then he goes, Well, how tall are you? <laughs> I was just too tall. It was like the too tall Jones commercial, man. Like uh, you know, I didn't even have I, I I've been measured like three times in the last ten years, probably. You know, you go into a dark's office to see how tall you are, and the nurses are like five three. Like, well, um, uh, how tall are you? (laughs) Too much work. (laughs) Yeah. And so that, that was one of those deals where everybody just a lot, you know, he pulls it out of there and like, well, we don't have anything to measure you with. So how tall are you? And you know, everybody just loses it. I'm, I'm just really tall and super skinny and just look like a huge goober uh, (laughs) doing just about everything. So, but, but that was, that was a funny memory. The the very first meeting. Uh, But anyway, so like I, I just had, I just knew where I needed to be and I, I and I didn't necessarily knew what it took, but I knew what I knew that it took. Uh, Cause it's one of those, you don't know what you don't know type deals. So it just became a deal where everybody knew I was going to work out. Uh, and there was times in junior college, you play a full fall schedule. You play full, you, you may go play 12 innings. You might play 18 innings in a day. And it just became I'm working out every day uh, and that's miserable at first. Cause if you're not playing, you're practicing for four or five hours, 
Uh, and if you are playing, you've got a full pregame BP and everything. And then you go play literally two games, uh, which can seem never ending, especially whenever you have pitchers who aren't any good and are not getting out of innings, uh, like guys who end up getting redshirted uh, will do at times. <laughs> and so those just get really, really long. And there's, you know, there's times we might get back at midnight or after from one of those, uh, one of those games. Everybody knew uh, we were going to turn our jerseys in and they'd get washed the next day. And I was going to just go to the weight room. And so I'm, I might be in there till one thirty in the morning. Um, but I just decided I'm going to work out. Um, so that just, that just became my routine every day. I was going to find a way to get in the weight room. I was going to do something to get better. Uh, and I did, I did what I knew to do. So setting that goal of, I know where I need to get. I don't necessarily know all the other stuff of what that really means, but I know, I know what I know and I'm going to work at what I know to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to that story, talking about trying to get better, getting in the weight room more often, really uh, building your strengths so that you could you could play at a high level with the guys that are around you. One thing that you can see is that at JUCO at Eastern, you're around guys that are at, you know, the highest caliber of a player, right? So you're, you're having to elevate yourself because if you don't, you're not going to play. And so yeah. you're doing that. But also, too, just the mentality that you had to have to get better really so when you think about it like if you're a red shirt freshman guy and you're going into everything you're not getting to play a lot right you're not playing at all red shirt year but you're having to do all this stuff which is long and tiring but at the same time you're putting an extra effort to make sure that you are elevating yourself to a different standard and it's probably a lot of the times not something you necessarily want to do or feel like doing but you push yourself to go do it. And I think that's the difference, what you see in, in a pattern in a lot of people that have excelled in whatever endeavor they're, they're after is that when they, 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 they push themselves when they don't feel like it, even when they don't yeah. feel like it, they go do the work. And so you were doing that. So obviously you go and have your red shirt freshman year, you have your freshman year and then your sophomore year and you're playing at Eastern and you're seeing uh, some strides that you're making, right? Some progression. How did you wind up going and getting to Oklahoma State from Eastern? Uh, Rob Walton, having a lot of faith in me. Uh, obviously, I went to, or I obviously we talked about going to Bishop Kelly and then uh, Rob's two boys and, and his daughter ended up as well, but uh, went to Bishop Kelly. So I knew I had known Rob. He had seen me play just from him coming to watch Donnie play. And I, I graduated with Davis, his oldest son, and uh, played in high school with Donnie. And, and Donnie and I ended up uh, forging a really good friendship because they just lived right down the road from me. And so, you know, like it is having three kids, you're all over the place. And, you know, dad's a college baseball coach and he's hooked up all the time. So Donnie and I, uh, spent a lot of time together just coming home from, from baseball practice uh, and became really good friends, even with Donnie being a, a couple of years younger than me uh, on, you know, through high school. And so it, anyway, so Rob had seen me whenever I was in high school and just, 
you know, what it might be. And he, and he had spent some time with me in high school trying to help me out um, to help me get to where I wanted to be. And so he, he, he was somebody who had seen me and saw a lot of potential in me. Whenever Rob came to watch me throw, my, my third year of junior college was the same the same day and I don't I don't I also don't even remember if Rob came to watch me he may have been coming to watch somebody else because uh, we were down playing down at Grayson Community College and they had this stud third baseman he was he was bad to the bone but I think he ended up being third rounder or something so that's probably who Rob was honestly coming to watch play that day uh, but he shows up and there was another there was a couple of colleges that were coming to watch me play that I've been talking to for a while. And after that, I didn't hear from any of them. Uh, but, you know, my, we knew Rob, my parents knew Rob. And, you know, my mom ended up saying, hey, how are you? And I kind of talked to Rob for a minute. And Rob had said, like, hey, just tell Mike I'm going to, I'll call him. I'm going to, you know, to, that I, that, to be ready to, that I'm going to call him. And, you know, same deal. Like a week goes by, a couple of weeks go by, and I'm like, Rob's at OSU like that is that you know in my mind I'm like OSU or Arkansas that's where I would want to be and uh, for whatever reason and you know I don't hear from Rob for like a month and then he finally called me and was like hey uh, we want you to come play he's like I don't know if I have a scholarship for you we'll see what happens and that's kind of how it works when you're coming out of junior college, especially when you're not a big top recruit. Like I was, I'd gotten better at that point, but I still just wasn't, I wasn't a guy that was going to come in and start right away. I was a guy that needed a lot of development still, uh, even at 21 years old. And so I, you know, if that guy's got faith in me, I mean, he's the man. He is the man, uh, especially in pitching in college baseball. Uh, he, they call him the wizard. And I mean, that's no joke. I mean, he, he's got it figured out. That guy, it's, it's unbelievable. That, that guy has forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know. <laughs> uh, and it shows, but yeah, just Rob having a ton of faith in me ultimately. Uh, and that was another part of that's another lesson in, in, uh, in being humble is I was not, I was, not incredibly happy at junior college because I, and maybe that's one of those things where you kind of put some pressure on yourself. Well, if I'm, if I'm not good enough to go to leave after a good year in junior college, then I don't want to come back and saying, well, if I get an offer, I'm gone. If I got, if I get an offer from someplace decent, I'm going to go. Well, I did get a couple of offers from some decent places and then God's just tugging at you. Nope. I want you here. I want you right. Like this is where you need to be. And it just didn't didn't feel right, uh, and he just told me to stay put, and that's where I that's where I stayed. And so then I got that opportunity to go to Oklahoma State. And man, I if if I ended up going anywhere else, I can't imagine uh, what my life would be like now because it, it definitely wouldn't be what it is. Uh, and from from base from the opportunity to go play baseball uh, to uh, start a relationship with with Delaney with my wife. Uh, which started in that third year while I was at junior college, while I was in Oklahoma, that likely would not have started uh, had 
I'd gone to central Arkansas or to out to a school in Virginia. Like those, those things wouldn't have happened. Uh, and then I wouldn't have the kids that I have, you know, so many of those things that have happened since then, uh, just can't imagine where I would be if I had just tried to rely on myself and what I wanted for myself in that moment. So yeah, I ended up in Oklahoma state because, because Rob saw something in me uh, and, and, likely part of that is because josh trusted rob to say this guy's got like a four and a half era in a okay junior college league and this is who you want to bring in rob like uh as a as a guy as a head coach would be like ah, and you're saying we should give him scholarship money like yeah. as a head coach i would have probably had a really tough time but that's why that's why he's the wizard because he can talk people into it, right? That too. Oh god, <laughs> I mean, must be. I cannot imagine how that conversation went. <laughs> I probably need to ask about that conversation, but uh, but yeah, just a, a lot of people believing in me uh, whenever I probably didn't deserve it, uh, especially especially Rob. Yeah, and, and one of the things going back to that a little point point in that is that. I mean, you, you had made strides, right? But it wasn't like uh, they were just like, you're killing it, blowing things out of the water. You, Coach Walton believed in you and he saw something in you and it's finding the people that believe in you um, and, and, and having them around you. That's so important. Not just believe, uh, not just someone that believes in you, but also that helps instill belief in yourself, right? And yeah. so you get a chance to go to Oklahoma State, which is like the pinnacle of where you wanted to go, right? I mean, it's probably one of the top yeah. places. I mean, it couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. And no matter if it was scholarship money, no scholarship money, walk on, whatever it was, like you would have wanted to go there ideally. And you had an opportunity to have a scholarship, but you get there. And what was that like? That experience you go from JUCO to Oklahoma State, uh, I think, was it a Coach Holiday, a year or two in to being the head coach there, or was he a couple of years in? I don't remember. So I was his first. I was in his first recruiting class. So he okay. got there the year before before I transferred there. That's right. So, man, that getting there, uh, you look at the old LAP Stadium and you're like, this is a dump. But whenever I showed up, I was like, this is amazing. I mean, when I was at Eastern, our locker room was our hallway that our of our door. You know, yeah. our, our baseball bags and gear sat out in our hallway because it all stunk or it sat in the bed of your truck or whatever. And we didn't have a locker room. You know, we had a bath, like a bathroom at the field. And I mean, it's just a junior college. It's what it is. So you get there and these guys are like, man, this place is so old and falling apart. And I'm just like, guys, I have my own locker. Yeah. <laughs> there's a TV in a locker room and it's big. Someone washes my laundry for me, you know, like when I'm in junior college, we have three t-shirts for the whole fall. And realistically is a freshman in college going to wash their shirts every two days? Uh, like you know, I'm probably just wring it out. I'm going to run it under some water and wring it out and let it air dry. You know? Uh, so it's like, I have clean clothes. They give me a free gear and it's not heavy cotton shirts. You know, I'm getting shoes. I get a free glove. Yeah. <laughs> all that, you know, and so that, you know, the allure of like all that stuff, that's super cool. Uh, and that's super cool to a kid. But ultimately what it came down to is having, 
having awesome coaches and awesome guys. And so I went there in the summer before they had a summer bridge program is what they call it. So the, the guys that are transferring in for their first semester, uh, it's an NCAA deal uh, where you can come in and, and they kind of, it kind of just allows you to walk into, into college uh, and, and not have to dive in in the fall. And so I was there for the first month of that. The second month, all almost all of the freshmen that were incoming in my recruit class came as well. And I had to go because I had to meet some NCAA requirements for school, uh, or I probably would have gone and played college base, college summer baseball. And so uh, that was great for me to get to spend a lot of time getting going, spending time with the coaching staff, uh, a lot of one-on-one -on -one time when they were in town and not out recruiting, uh, but then uh, focus on school, get to spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time coaching with, with those guys, with Rob uh, and man went through, uh, it was a complete overhaul mechanically for me. So uh, that time was invaluable. Uh, I don't I don't know how many bullpens Mark Ginther caught uh, up in up in the indoor up there by Alley P just 100 degrees Mark's in full gear Rob's Rob Rob, Rob does amazing things and some of the stuff he does like you look at him and you're like you're crazy like why do you want me to do this but I never I mean I never questioned him but like in that moment, if, if anybody didn't know Rob and, you know, they're just coming off the street, I'm at like 45 feet crow hopping, throwing a ball as hard as I could to Mark Ginther. And at this point I am throwing 90 and it wasn't, it wasn't anatomically healthy. Uh, it wasn't good mechanics, but I'm throwing hard and that doesn't feel good to wear those off the chest, even through gear or anything. Sure. And I'm all over the place. Control was not my strong suit. And I'm all over the place. And uh, man, that that first that first summer there was awesome. It was a lot of fun um, getting to know them and them getting to know me and everything. And then uh, moving into the fall, and everybody shows up and gets there, and you really get to meet your teammates and and man, that, that was a lot of fun that those are the things, uh, that you remember, uh, your, your teammates and those relationships and, and, uh, you know, still text with, with Rob and Josh and have a group text with a bunch of the guys that I played with while I was at OSU. Um, and those relationships that were formed are, are literally forever. Uh, those are, those are guys that I would, I'd do anything for. So that that that's kind of how that time played out. Uh, and we did some awesome stuff while I was there too. Uh, made it to a super regional, made it to a regional, um, and ho hosted a super regional, hosted a regional while I was there. Hosted two regionals, I guess. But it uh, the stuff, man, a lot of that stuff on the field is not stuff I really remember. It's the it's the time that I spent with those guys. Honestly, in the locker room, if there was a place like it was in the locker room at Alley P. Alley P. Reynolds Stadium, uh, which is OSU's baseball, old baseball stadium, uh, when I say Alley P, but um, yeah, that, the, those were a lot, those were, that was the most fun I ever had playing baseball. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's dive into that first year at Oklahoma State. Um, you got there and they had, 
have they had some success before? I mean, you guys were were they were building the program back up because Coach Holiday had just taken over. Um, yeah. You're at old LAP Stadium, uh, and you're getting there's a lot of good talent around you. So you had a really good team, and and you guys are c- continuing to build the the culture. Coach Holiday and Coach Walt and all the coaches are continuing to build the culture uh, and develop the the type type of guys that they want to have on their team. And um, that first year, did you guys? How, how was that? Um, did you go man, to the we, regional? That was we hosted. We hosted the regional. We won. So yes. The first year we won the regular Big Twelve regular season, and then made it to the championship game of the tournament, and then hosted a regional, hosted a super regional, and lost to uh, Cal State Fullerton. Who That's was yes, hot, hot team. I forgot. I so. I totally forgot that was your first year because um, basically you got to play a little bit that first year, a little bit, not much, you know. No, but it was yeah. I was like I was like there. Yeah. It was like a it was like a glorified red shirt. But as as your friend, obviously, it was so much fun to just go to the games and watch and just be a part of it because I I didn't really go to many baseball games before because I, I can't remember if that was my first year at Oklahoma State or not, but. Um, Anyway, regardless, I remember you—you you, know—you were on the team. Didn't get to play a lot, but you were just—you were on the team. It was a great experience for you, and it was really fun when you did get to pitch and get to watch you play and whatnot. But oh, I do want to point out that you didn't get a ton of playing time, and you—you you, when you got to play, it wasn't like you were having tremendous success either, you know. Which it's—it's it's tough to be just thrown into games and and uh, be able to, to perform at a high level, right? So. My point being, one of the experiences that I remember, uh, obviously, going back to an experience, I just thought about how you got engaged that year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, so it was we, – we had opening weekend on uh, Valentine's Day. And so I was like, hey, we're going to do our Valentine's Day that, you know, after that night after the game, whatever. So then I said, hey, let's uh, – I talked to the guy that takes pictures at the – at stadium and I'm going to have him take some pictures of us, you know, on the field, since we don't have very many, I asked him and he said he would. So you can go down there and uh, walk out there and, you know, in the middle of him taking pictures, I had you guys run up there at the sign and said, marry him. And so I got down and then he proposed. Uh, luckily she said, yes. Uh, she's funny, man. She, I don't know if you were sitting with her prior to that, but she was like, Man, there and it's of course it's a night where it's just it misted for like four hours. Yeah. And it's a two I think it was a Tuesday night game, either Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember, but it's like of course. And so she she just being herself, man, this is weird. All of our friends showed up for a Tuesday night game. Like this is funny. And you know, you guys don't have to stay. The weather sucks. You know, like he he may not even pitch. We'll see. (laughs) Um, So of course, you know, I end up pitching and uh, throwing inning and making air. My cleats get packed down with mud and I just launched a ball, you know, went to turn a double play and launched a ball into center field and give up a run and, She's like, that's the thing you're always going to remember about the night <laughs> engaged. I'm like, yes, actually yes. <laughs> it is. But yeah, she was super surprised. That was, that was special to have 
that moment happen there at the stadium and and kind of be a part of 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 our life forever and and accounting you know baseball is such a big part of of our life for a long time and especially at that point in our life uh it, it was cool yeah very and cool so whenever when i threw that idea out there to josh and rob they're like you want to do what are you <laughs> sure uh, they were like are you going to be able to stay focused for a game if you're going to be doing that after and i was like obviously not <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> man i warmed up for that line they told me i was going in and I don't, and you can ask you, Mark Ginther or any of those guys that were in the bullpen with me. I don't think I threw a single strike, <laughs> not a single strike in the bullpen. And I didn't feel like I was nervous to get engaged or anything, but I was just like, I'm losing my mind right now. I can't do anything right. So, uh, yeah, so that, that was funny. That, that was an awesome, awesome moment. And, uh, yeah, glad, glad that all the guys and got to be a part of all that, and that's something that that we got to share. Yeah, it was a very cool moment. But another cool moment of that season is I remember I was in Australia on a study abroad trip. I don't know. I think it might have been Facebook message or I don't know text or whatever it was. But I remember you reaching out because you guys were playing in the Big Twelve tournament and you make it to the championship game because you guys did have success that season. And I remember. I don't know if. Uh, can't remember what happened. I don't know if there's too many guys that had pitched that night. I can't remember what what, what the deal was, but you got to yeah. pitch and start the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah. <laughs> and you text yeah. me like, I think I'm think I'm starting. And uh I was like, I was pumped. I was so I was I loved Australia, but I was kind of frustrated, like, man, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to be at the game. It's a bummer, but uh it was really cool to to that experience. It was a fun experience too. Yeah, that was uh that was definitely a cool experience to be able to pitch there and, and throw against TCU in the, in the championship game. We lost early on. And so then we had to fight our way back through the loser's bracket. And, and I was literally the only pitcher who hadn't pitched. And so I had thrown like, I can't remember. I threw a third of an inning or two thirds of an inning uh, a week or two before that. And then I hadn't thrown like in a, in a real game, probably a month or five or six weeks before that uh, and then I went and started a game and yeah that was that was an experience I was I started cramping up in like the second inning and probably about 50 pitches in and I think I ended up throwing like 110 or more uh, just my forearms cramping up my calf and hamstring are cramping up every pitch I throw I mean I was I was throwing a pitch and I'd finish and my hand would be stuck here and I'd catch the ball back and put my hand in there and try and stretch it back out. But man, I, yeah, it was fun. It was fun for sure. And I, I had been throwing, my velocity had been way down for whatever reason. Uh, whenever I'd thrown, I was throwing like 84, 85 uh, and show up and, you know, the stadium gun saying 90 and, I think they went and asked one of the scouts, like, is that right? Or is he actually throwing that hard? And they were like, yeah, like he's actually throwing, throwing like 88, 90. And I remember everybody being like, where has this been, man? Like after the first inning or second inning, they're like, where's this been? And yeah. I, I had a few good innings, a few good innings, and then ended up giving up uh, several runs. But uh, it was a cool experience. And, oh, yeah. And just kind of push through and try and try and get our team – try to eat some innings and 
and get through because I knew I was I was all we had uh, at that point. And you know we're going into regionals and we've got a really good chance. And I know, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna bring guys back on short rest and and get them hurt whenever we have something a lot more important than this game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so yeah. that was an awesome experience. You got to do that and. You guys moved on and hosted regionals. Then you hosted super regionals, wound up losing to Cal State, uh, Fullerton. Um, but you wound up going that summer and playing summer baseball and having a chance to play in Wisconsin. Had a you know a good season up there. Got a chance to play with some different different level guys and, and see that. But then you came back going into your senior season. And I want to talk about this because regardless of the success or, or the lack of success that you might've wanted to have or wanted to see, you kept continuing to work, continuing to be diligent, just put in the work, put in the work in the weight room, put in the work on the field, practicing in all the different ways, whatever it took to get to the, the goals that you had set before yourself. Because I think it goes back to that one thing we talked about where many people can be very discouraged by not reaching their goals in a certain time period or manner that they want to reach them. But you continue to just put in the work and be diligent. Um, and so you had that summer, you're putting in the work in the off season, have fall ball. Then you finally start to go into the season. I remember you guys went down to, you know, Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Um, and you're playing in those, those first couple of games of the season down there. I remember you, you got to pitch that first game you started, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and you had a, a great outing. Great two outings, I think, while you were down there, right? Yeah, we were down here. We were down there for a while. So yeah, I had I had two outings while we were down there. And yeah, I I, I threw pretty well both times. Mm hmm And so I remember you texted me and I think you threw like some com a complete game while you're down there or something like that. Was that right? I went pretty deep into some game. I don't I don't think I think I went into the seventh inning maybe in one in maybe in both of them or, you know, at least through five or six and through pretty well. And yeah, yeah. And got, got rolling and, you know, didn't really know what to expect going into that spring of, am I going to start? Am I not? Uh, I had, I had had a lot of success in the fall. Um, I had a lot of success in that summer before and I'd really just kind of relaxed uh, and not put so much pressure on every moment. Uh, sometimes you can want something too much. Uh, you try to force it. And <clears throat> a lot of times the more, you know, what I've learned is the more you try to force something to happen, uh, it pushes back. So uh, I just relaxed and said, I'm going to have fun playing baseball uh, and not care so much about does the is is Rob watching me? Is he does he think I'm doing well? You know, like trying to get inside their minds and care what they think. And I'm just going to go play and have fun. Uh, and that's what that summer before allowed me to do, because there's no pressure on summer ball. Uh, there's no there's not practice. You have BP and you get to just hang out and have fun. And uh, I had Corey Hassel up there with me and uh, made another uh, several friends uh, from from that summer league and and we just had a ton of fun all summer and I had an awesome host family uh, that that I still talk to today and they actually came down to Oklahoma City last summer and, and spent some time down here and uh, got to got to kind of show them around and, and spend time with them uh, but 
regardless, you know, get into that, that spring. And, uh, or I guess we'd probably go back to the fall. Uh, I, I was throwing pretty well, uh, that, that server four kind of rolled into the fall and, uh, man, stuff just clicked. Uh, and it was like, take all that pressure off myself and all the stuff that Rob had wanted me to do, uh, clicked, uh, some, you know, there's some mechanical adjustments that, that we had been tinkering with and it all just panned out the way that probably better than any of us could have hoped for. I, I just can't, I would think, I, I don't think Rob's like, Mike's going to end up being an all American senior year. Like, well, Mike may give us some few, give us a few innings of senior year. And hopefully <laughs> that, you know, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, just, just relax and, and start to have fun. And it just, it was really, it was really good. You know, we get into the fall and probably the time, you know, I felt pretty good. You know, I've been throwing well through the summer and through the fall and, you know, but I probably still just wasn't walking around with a ton of confidence just because I'd been humbled so much. Uh, Rob sits us down after an inner squad that we had in, in division one baseball. It's all inner squads in the fall. So because NCAA rules, now they can go play one or two games or whatever it is, and that's becoming more prevalent. But at that point, we didn't. So we just played it. We just had inner squads all the time. Uh, I threw three innings, and I struck out eight or nine guys. And so, so we're sitting in the dugout, and Rob pulls us all together and talking about what had gone on in the scrimmage. And uh, – I can't remember how it came out. He said something along the lines of like, guys, who's the, who's the nastiest pitcher on the staff right now? Like, or no, here's what. So he said, guys, can anybody on this team hit Mike? If Mike's on the mound, can anybody hit him? And everyone, you know, there's, I don't know, 15, 18 pitchers on the staff. And so we're all sitting there. It's half our team. And it wasn't a hesitation. Everybody was like, no, no. And I was like, and Rob's like, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah. He's <laughs> like, all these guys think that. So why don't you, like, why don't you realize that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've just sucked forever. Like, I've always <laughs> been like supposed to be good. And everybody's like, you have so much potential. It's like, well, potential hasn't got me any confidence, Rob, like, to be honest with you. And so I, that was probably the moment uh, that it just kind of clicked, like, hey, like, my whole team believes in me. My, like, my coach believes in me. Um, and just such a huge confidence booster, like, as a coach to see that, like, I'm not just exuding confidence and that was a moment that I really remember. Uh, the other super cool thing about that was uh, we were recruiting uh, one of Mike Matheny's sons to OSU. And so I'm pretty sure that they had that Matheny and his son were in the stands for that game. And so I've got a big league manager at that point. Yeah. For those that don't uh, know, Mike Matheny was the manager for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now he's the manager for the Royals, I believe, just for context. Yeah. And so it's like, man, I just shoved. And to be honest with you, like it was, I don't know. That's like whenever I realized I was nasty and I made some really good hitters 
look pretty silly that day. And so, you know, to do that in front of a big league manager and then to have that meeting afterwards and all of my teammates be like, you're like, your stuff is awesome. Like when you're, if you would have some faith in yourself, if you believe that you're good and my, you know, my coach who I, you know, who said, who hung the moon uh, to tell me that, uh, that was that was a huge turning point in my baseball career. Like, obviously, I'd already gone and had a ton of success that summer, but it was short-lived. Uh, I lost a month or six weeks because I went up there and in my very first outing. Uh, and even in my first outing, I started throwing better, which was crazy because, you know, I hadn't thrown very well a month before that against TCU in that uh, Big 12 tournament game. But I go up there and and I think I was like no hit through five and go over and I'm covering first on a ground ball to the first baseman and uh, fracture my ankle in the first game. Uh, the lip on between the grass and dirt was like five inches. And so stepped off in that uh, trying to catch that ball. And so then I was out for half the summer. Uh, but I was like, you know, that was small sample size. You know, I just, I threw well, but it wasn't, you know, it was probably just luck. And so then uh, to get that confirmation from my coach and my teammates uh, really just boosted me through the rest of that, the rest of that fall and winter and into the spring. Yeah. And that's definitely something we want to touch on here and just a little bit about confidence and how important that is and how critical it is to just overall success and, and doing the things that you want to accomplish. But you had that great, uh, great fall going into the season. You wind up having a fantastic season. I mean, really storybook season, really. Yeah. Uh, Cause I remember like we talked about just a little bit ago, you had some outings where at the start you were in Arizona, you had some really good outings and that carried over to each game that you pitched. You really didn't have a bad game. And I remember, I think, you were playing TCU and I think uh, Chandler and I had been out. We were in, I think we were actually in, in Arizona for spring break and we'd just gotten back and we we're going to try to go to that game. And I think for some reason, cause our flight flew into Dallas yeah, and we thought you were pitching Saturday, but in fact you pitched Sunday. And so yeah. we wound up missing it, but we got to watch it when we were back home in Tulsa on TV. And I just remember that game that that solidified. Cause I, I before I was like, Mike's, Mike's doing really well. This is really fun. Like, I hope he can keep it going, you know? But yeah. that was like watching that game and watching you pitch. And it was like, man, he's, he's going to keep it going. Like, this is the real deal. Like, this isn't any joke. Like he's got the confidence to continue doing what he's doing. And you were making some really good players look really stupid on TV. So it was, it was really cool, but, but the progression of confidence for sure carried over throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know I was going to start. I, I texted Rob. Rob had kind of said, well, uh, you're not going to start these first two games, but you might be in relief, that, you know, to start the season. Uh, and if you don't, then you might start Sunday. We'll see. I, I was like, I honestly don't really know. Um, so I texted Rob at like 10 o'clock on Saturday night uh, before that Sunday game. And or maybe even called him. I can't remember what it was. It was like, hey, am I starting? Like, you had mentioned this. Am I starting tomorrow? Because no one knows who's starting tomorrow. And you had mentioned that to me. He's like, 
yeah, Mike, you're starting. See you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like Rob, Rob's just so like matter of fact and like gruff, like just straight to the point. It's like, okay, cool. You know, but, uh, and to not know if I was going to play or not, and then to end up having the season I had, uh, I mean, storybook was probably the perfect description of what it was, man. It, it just felt so many times before that I'd been even within an outing. It's like, well, when's stuff going to go wrong? You know, you might have good three or four good innings and then go walk the house and give up a double. And then you've gone from like four one hit innings to giving up four runs in an outing. And it's just, it all goes to, to crap quite, quite frankly. And, um, I don't know. I just, I got out of that mindset uh, and Rob always, man, it made me so mad when I first got to OSU. It's like, okay, well, how do you do X, Y, or Z? Like, how do I get, how do I do this then? And Rob's like, you just freaking throw the ball. You just throw it. You just do it. Like you quit worrying about all that stuff and you just throw it. You just say, I'm going to strike this guy out and I'm going to beat this team and you just do it. And I was like, I need to know how, like, I'm not, I'm not that way. Like I'm so analytical. I need a step-by-step guidance of how to get there. And I wanted it to be a step-by-step and it's not, I mean, and and I carry that with me with a lot of different things now of keep it simple. Like keep it as absolutely simple as, as you can. And that's the best way to do things. It's not, and Josh was this way with team team rules or team is expectations essentially of like this is the expectation this is the program you're representing this is the team these are your teammates these are your coaches if you have to do anything to negatively affect any of that to the program your coaches your teammates then you shouldn't do it I don't like you guys are grown men I don't need to tell you don't go out and do drugs. I don't need to tell you don't drink and drive. You all know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And if you have to think, should I or shouldn't I, you shouldn't do it. Um, And so that's getting off topic, but man, just so many of those things, uh, so many of those little steps, it wasn't like there was one day I just woke up and had confidence. It was so many little things just the same way as it wasn't losing confidence to that point wasn't one thing or another. Um, but I, I built confidence by just by doing it, by having fun, by relaxing. And like I said, not, not trying, instead of trying to force something, I was just enjoying it. And that's kind of where I was. I was a fifth year senior. I knew there was nowhere else. Like I was, I was either going to play that year or I wasn't but I might as well enjoy it. And that's it. That's suit. That's really freeing whenever, instead of like, it's my last year, I have to play well. I have to be on the team uh, to say it's my last year. I better enjoy it. I'm going to have fun. Uh, and I completely, and, and coaching and talking to guys and uh, maybe, maybe mentoring younger players. That's one thing I talk about because you can hear that in my voice of like, it's my fifth year. I have to play. I have to be on the team versus, hey, it's my fifth year. I'm going to have fun playing baseball. 
And if that ends up with me being successful on the field, great. If not, then I get to at least enjoy my time and not put pressure on myself and hate everything that I'm doing. Uh, so, and the, the way I'm talking to myself right there, you hear the difference. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of the self-talk and stuff like that uh, was something that was really addressed in a book that you gave me uh, that, and we've talked about this, but mind Jim, uh, that's something I, I don't read a lot. Uh, I, I, my reading comprehension is miserable. Ultimately. <laughs> uh, so I have to read things like 10 times. Now I'll read five pages and like, I don't know what that just said, but <laughs> you gave me mind Jim and, uh, whenever I was in my third, I think it was when I was in my third year of junior college and I ended up loaning it to a couple of teammates, uh, who were like-minded individuals. And that's probably one, it, it addressed that and like how you talk to yourself and how that affects how you feel about yourself and your ability to have success, uh, consistently. Um, and that's something that I pass on to everybody that I can is, instead of saying, don't put pressure on yourself, hey, have fun and, and uh, enjoy the game and see what happens. And ultimately you're gonna have more success when you're that way anyways. Um, but raising kids or in, our, in my marriage, uh, instead of telling my kids, don't go outside, it's, hey, stay inside. And whenever you can talk to somebody that way, it's a more respectful tone. It's not an authoritarian tone um, and you have a lot more success and you gain a lot more uh, trust from them. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking about a one and three year old kid, but, you know, whenever, when you're trying to teach somebody something uh, pitching, you know, Hey, don't open your front side. Well, uh, and, and this is a line from one of my buddies, Keenan Simon, uh, you know, your mind just, it, it does not process the word don't. So when you say don't open your front side, when you take your stride, all your mind can think about is opening up your front side. And so if I say, whatever, don't, don't be late. Why don't I just say be on time? It's the same thing, but I, I'm talking to myself in a different way. And, and those things are what helped me build confidence in myself because I wasn't telling myself what to not do. I was telling myself what to do. Uh, at that point and, and started really changing my, my outlook on things uh, in sports. And, and that's really changed my outlook on the way I handle a lot of things of, you know, don't screw this up again. Don't walk this guy. Hey, just don't strike. That's what we're trying to do. Why, why am I worried about walking a guy? Because I can't control if I walk the guy or not. I want to throw the ball to the catcher's mitt. And I, and if I do that, then that's the only thing I can control. So uh, really th those things allowed me the way changing the way that I thought uh, whether that's taking pressure off myself uh, in each moment trying to figure out what other people thought uh, if other people were pleased with the way I was playing or what the scout or coach was thinking if I was going to get recruited or whatever uh, and then uh, the way that I I viewed myself and the way I talked to myself uh, help to build confidence because when you're constantly telling yourself don't do this don't do that don't walk this guy don't screw up in front of this scout does he think I'm doing well 
I'm not focusing on the thing that I'm, I'm ultimately trying to do. If I'm sitting there trying to figure out, and at times I was, I was in, I was in the outfield and left field and at Alley P Reynolds stadium thinking is, is Rob watching me playing catch right now? Like, is he happy with what I'm doing? Am I doing the things that he wants me to do? And I'm throwing the ball all over the yard because I'm so worried about what he's doing that I'm not thinking about actually playing catch, I'm not focused on that. Uh, and, and that's so easy to do. And it's so easy to say, like, just focus on what you're doing. But at the same time, I have, I'm trying to play catch, but I'm trying to pitch. Uh, I'm trying to be a part of the team. I'm trying to make a difference. So it's easy to say, not so easy to do, but it just took a lot of consistency on my part a lot of uh, mentoring and coaching from Rob, not necessarily about that exact instance, but just telling me, just throw the ball, just throw the ball, just throw the strike, just shove it down their throat and, and they're not going to like it and it's going to be awesome. Uh, and so that, uh, that's where I've, I gained a ton of confidence that way, learned so much and really, really changed my life. Because it's not just in sports; it's in, like I said, like I talked about my parenting at the fire department, uh, which that's a, a big team as well, atmosphere as well, um, and then in you know in my marriage. Yeah, and confidence is so critical to success because you have to believe in yourself to be able to to do the things that you want to do. Because uh, if you don't believe, you're not going to be able to achieve that, and so that's yeah. critical. Also, as you talked about positive self talk, uh, not just like foo foo words, but like truthful, yeah. positive truly, self-talk. Truly meaning it and believing it. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. kind of when it, coaching, whenever I talk to guys, it's like you have to have positive self-talk. And it's not like, oh, you're the best player ever. Oh, you're so great, Johnny. Like everything you do is perfect. It's like, hey, I can do this. Just throw the ball here. And positive as in a sense of not negative. Just throw the ball to the glove instead of don't throw – don't hit this guy or don't give up a home run or, you know, just tell yourself what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. kind of that. And so coaching wise, I think that I try to, I try to pass that same stuff on because it, that's the stuff that helped me so much. And so many people tell players, well, you need to work on your middle game. Okay. What does that mean? You know, how do I work on my middle game? However many coaches told me I need to work on my middle game but they didn't tell me how to work on my middle game. Uh, and that that's the same stuff. And, and if you don't learn that through sports, I don't know how you learn that, to be honest with you, uh, in, in any other avenue. I'm sure you do. Uh, but for me, I just I, – I don't see it. But if you don't learn that, then I would still be that way as a person, uh, which – is scary. Like if all these things hadn't lined up to get to that point for me to learn that life lesson there as a, as a 24 year old at that point, like what I do not feel like I would be very successful today in a lot of the things that I do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, and just, I, I love the, the phrase you used, you built confidence, you were able to build that positive self-talk all these things were progression that you built over time. And so one of the things I want to mention about Rob is he said, just go out there and pitch, just go out there and throw the strike, strike the guy out. Well, obviously it clicked for you that season, but you can't just go do that. If you haven't done the work, like all throughout your life, you were doing the work, 
to prepare you for those moments. So when it did click, it clicked. But if you didn't, if you didn't do the work, you'd have been put in the time, you know, you probably wouldn't have had the, the results that you, you saw. So you did the work prior to all these, these points in your life to get to that point. And obviously yeah. success followed in a big way where, you know, that season as your senior year, you became a all American, your big 12 pitcher of the year. I don't know the stats for you, but you had great success. You wound up getting drafted by the Astros in the seventh round. And it was really cool just to watch that progression and really click for you. So we've talked about all these different things, you know, real quickly, because I know I want to be conscious of time, but you had an opportunity to go play with the Astros or, you know, to play in their minor league club. And you wound up going. And I remember one of the things when I was looking at some of the stuff, and I don't really follow too much of the draft board stuff or, or any of the, you know, stuff about different teams. But I remember watching and seeing how at one point you were the guy that they thought in the draft was going to make it to the major leagues the fastest. I remember reading that. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's awesome. And you really elevated quickly in their, in their club in those first, first two years playing uh, minor league ball. What was that transition like for you? First off, actually, what was it like to get drafted? What was that moment like? All that hard work, and you have an opportunity to get drafted in the seventh round and play baseball professionally. Uh, just talk about that experience real quick. Man, uh, that whole draft—the draft process is crazy because everybody tells you they think you know, they know where you're going to go, and no one has a clue. Uh, ultimately, there's so many people involved in all that. So, um, and I was just a, an anomaly essentially I was a fifth year senior almost 25 years old just starting a major league career or a mine a professional career not a, I mean a minor league career uh, most guys want to be starting their major league career by the time they're that age and I just wanted to start getting paid to do it um, so that was crazy it was a lot of ups and downs uh, and you have expectations of what's going to happen but you have no control over it I've already done everything I can do. Now it's somebody else's turn to, to pick who goes where. Um, so, you know, I'm there with my family and get to the point of just being frustrated of like, I see this guy that's gone before me and he's not as good as me. He's gone, you know, two rounds ago, he got picked and that guy is not the type of player I am. Like, why would they want him instead of me? And then, you know, well, why is it, why is it not me? Why, you know, all that stuff, you start questioning it. You start, same deal. You go back to that, thinking of worrying about what other people think and why things are happening instead of just, I've taken care of it. Just wait for them, somebody to say my name. And at, at that point I knew I was getting drafted. I, I, I hadn't done the work and I had earned it. I knew I was getting drafted. Uh, but then you start to get a little entitled and think like I deserve to be picked pretty high. Like I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, and that wasn't necessarily an outward thought. That was an inward thought. Of like I've, I've done really well this year. Um, but I was so old. I had only pretty much played that year at OSU. I didn't really play the year before. And so people were like, 
a little afraid to take me, I think, just because it was short-lived success at that point. And, uh, I was old, and I threw from a weird arm angle, and the ball moved weird ways, and it was like, can he continue doing this? And so, that, you know, the Astros ended up picking me, uh, and that was that was really cool. It was exciting. I got to have that moment with my family and get to enjoy that with them and and, my, and some of my friends, my, some of my close friends uh, got to spend that, that time with them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool uh, to have the opportunity to go play. Um, the atmosphere is way different. Uh, I was, jo you know, Josh Holiday, uh, Coach Holiday really created a team environment of we're not going to have guys here. He did, he did a great job as a leader of creating leaders that had positive impacts. And a lot of the leadership stuff that I teach and preach and use today is because of the stuff that he taught. And so it was all team focused. If I'm not doing things to it doesn't matter. Somebody had, there's, there's only nine guys on the field and that's more of a football thing, but there's only nine guys on the field at a time. And we have a 28 man, 27, 28 man roster. Yeah. Somebody has got to be the guy that doesn't play. Somebody has to be the guy that is at every game and doesn't get to play. And so if that's the role you fill, then that's the role you fill because that's still a role. If you're the guy that doesn't travel that week, that's still a role to fill. And if you're negatively impacting the team with your role and all you are is an energy taker and, and you're not, you're not doing yourself any good because you're just be, making yourself bitter not making the team better because you're just bringing negative attitude to a team. Um, and so everybody has a role in professional baseball. You don't have a role. Your role is take care of yourself. And the general consensus of things is take care of yourself. I'm trying to get to the big leagues. What can I do to get to the big leagues? Now you make friends and, and there's things that go on that way, but, the general culture of professional sports is very self-oriented. Uh, and that just wasn't something I appreciated. I, I like I said, I, the baseball was fun at OSU, but the team was where I had fun. The time with, with my friends and, and my brothers is, is the stuff that I cherished. And so when you get into those atmospheres where, minor league games it really doesn't matter if you win or lose at all so maybe you'd have a you'd have a hitter you know we might have got beat 10 to 2 and one guy went four for four with two doubles and he is walking around cock of the walk you know he's the man we just got the crap kicked out of us you know like that and that was tough for me to, to handle and being in the bullpen and you start to hear guys like you're, you're coming down to the ninth inning and it's a tie game and there. And, and, you know, we have the bases loaded against us and guys in the bullpen are like, Hey, they're like, man, I hope he gives us run up so we don't go to extra innings and we can just go home. I'm just like, no. how can you be a competitive person at all? Even claim to be a competitive person and be wishing that our team would lose. Uh, and, and that's one of those, that was really tough for me to handle is, is overcoming that atmosphere. And, and I didn't do a great job of it. Uh, and 
uh, early on I did. And then I was struggling uh, physically and, and in throughout the season, just with my abilities, uh, uh, which came a lot from uh, struggling physically, just from fatigue ultimately. But uh, that ended up, that ended up being a, a really, that was probably the toughest thing was going from such a team oriented atmosphere to, to the lack of that in professional baseball. And uh, that's probably the worst thing about professional sports. Uh, it's the best thing because you have to, you do have to take care of yourself. Uh, and some people do a lot better job of, of getting through that and, and focusing on what they need to focus on. And uh, that's one thing that, that was really a struggle for me, but, but man, we got to, we got to go a lot of places and go do a lot of things that we never would have had I not gotten to play professional baseball. Um, a lot of time on a bus, that's for sure. Uh, but all over Texas. And I mean, I played, I started out playing in Iowa, uh, in, in the Midwest league and then went out to the California league and then to the Texas league. And so, I mean, that whole, like that half of the country, I was all over playing um, just in professional baseball. So, so that was, that was cool. Um, That was a a really fun opportunity to get to do that and go to a ton of different parks and uh, and Delaney and I were married at that point. So getting to experience all that stuff together and, even whenever I wasn't playing the way I wanted to play, like we were doing it together and living our life the way we wanted to. And, and it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to be able to experience that with, with someone, someone you love and to do that with Delaney was probably has some, some really great times. Yeah, absolutely. And you had a lot of great experiences playing professional baseball. You know, one of the fun ones was you got to go down at the major league club we got to play down in mexico mexico city um, i remember getting to watch that game and obviously growing up for me i'm a big cardinals fan i remember whenever you came into the game we we're watching on on uh on tv or on a phone and i think you went up against john jay who was a longtime cardinal for a while yeah got him out so that was a really cool experience but you get to play against and with a lot of really really good players and i think alex bregman was on on your team in double a yeah you know, you got to play with some of those guys like Jose too. All the all the Astros when you're in spring training and going down there with the club. So a lot of cool experiences that you got to participate in. Um, and then eventually you decided to hang up the cleats a little bit and make a transition to get out of baseball and to to, to just start uh, start fresh within working and just kind of retiring. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you because as you see throughout your life you really keep pushing and you keep going and you don't stop, you don't quit. And then um, I think it's tough for a lot of people. How do you discern between, all right, I'm going to keep pushing, I'm going to keep going. And that's what I need to keep doing. But then there's times where it's like, okay, well, I need to actually maybe slow down and and maybe transition into a a different, different route to where I'm going. Um, And how did, how did you do that with your decision to get out of baseball? So I was actually talking about this the other day with, I think it was at the fire station with somebody, but uh, I think leading up to that, I thought that you would feel like you were quitting. Um, 
I would have felt like I was quitting if I gave up or felt like I was giving up if I decided to retire, if I decided not to play anymore. Uh, and I think God just really prepared my heart for it is ultimately what it comes down to. Um, I got war. It was pretty much a whirlwind, uh, which you know about, but we had, there was some stuff that was going on and Delaney and I had, uh, had started trying to get pregnant. And so we wake up on a, I guess it was a Sunday morning and, or no, so here's what it was. We had a day game, went to dinner afterwards together and Delaney's looking at me and I'm just like, she's all, but she always is. She's all smiling and, you know, just giggling. I was, I just looked at her, I was like, are you pregnant? She's like, maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure. And so, you know, we wake up the next morning uh, on a Monday and, you know, she takes pregnancy test and she's pregnant. I'm like, well, cool. We're having a baby and get on the bus at like noon and drive to San Antonio, play in San Antonio that night, uh, get called into the office and got released that night, like 12 hours later. So, uh, that was kind of a whirlwind and um i ended up on the way we were we were we had to that next morning we had to drive back to corpus christi get all our stuff and then we were going to drive home well pete in Cavilia calls me who's one of the best i mean probably the best biggest power hitter in college baseball history he played at osu um and he's uh he's coached independent league baseball for a long time He's coaching a team out of uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he's like, hey, I just saw, you know, I, was, I watched the the sheet of who gets released and signings and everything and saw you got released, so I'm giving you a call. Do you want to come pitch for us? And I was like, to be honest with you, Pete, no, I don't. I want to play – I want to play affiliated baseball. I don't want to play independent league. Um, and, of course, because I've said I didn't want to, that's where God led me. So that's what he had laid out in my plan. So I went and played. Ended up being an awesome thing for me. I uh, got to spend some time with my oldest sisters, 13 years older than me, uh, and and her husband, who, you know, I, I haven't got to spend significant time with before. And uh, I ended up spending the whole summer staying at their house and playing baseball. Uh, and independent league baseball is not glamorous at all uh, and so that I think that kind of just was a good way to ease me out of baseball like I I have not there's only been a handful of times since I stopped playing that I was like man I wish I could play again and one of them was whenever we went up to O'Brate Stadium OSU's new baseball stadium for the first time and you know I've got my wife and my two kids and we're they're showing us around and it's just like oh my goodness this place is beautiful and we literally stepped out of the dug, you know, like I'm like, hey, this is beautiful, everything. We stepped out of the dugout onto the warning track, and I was just like, what I would freaking give to be able to play here again. Like, and so I looked at Delaney and told her that. I was like, I don't want to play baseball again. I want to play here again. I don't want to go back and play pro ball. I want to. I would. I would play here for 30 years if I could. Um, and so that. 
just the way everything worked, it kind of took the desire out of it for me. I knew just kind of where my life was going and I knew I needed a more stability uh, for us. So it didn't drag out my career. Uh, and that, that was, that was a lot easier for me than maybe a lot of people. Uh, there's obviously some struggles there when it's like, I've worked so hard for all this my whole life. And somebody tells you you're not good enough and then you don't get any more opportunities. Like it's just over just because somebody says you're not good enough. Um, and I think it's a lot easier to swallow whenever you maybe haven't had all that success and, and whenever you have the faith to understand I was working hard at a sport, but it wasn't to play in the big leagues. It was to prepare me for my life after what baseball is and prepare me for to be a husband and a father and all those things that as a 18 you know 14 16 18 20 year old kid all your coaches are like if you aren't worth a crap in baseball after this it doesn't matter but we're gonna make you good men and you're like whatever you're just making me run because you got into an argument with your wife last night like you're not <laughs> even like that doesn't even have anything to do with us but Ultimately, all those all those coaches have had a huge influence and and did prepare me to, to be the man that that I am today, and that I hope to can better uh, as I move throughout the rest of my life. Yeah, and going back to coaches, what are some things you learned in your time under Coach Holiday? You've kind of touched on it a little bit, but also Coach Walton. What were the things you learned from them in your time playing underneath them and with them at Oklahoma State? Man. Uh, Rob was just to keep it simple, like it's black and white. Uh, I learned a lot about coaching from from Rob. Uh, I spent a lot of time just watching him coach bullpens, uh, just because I wanted to learn. Because I I didn't know, like I said earlier, I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I wanted to learn not just about how to make myself better, but like what's everybody else doing? What are you asking everybody else to do? Because I want to understand it better. I want to understand the game and I want to understand coaching better. Uh, and I think one of the biggest things that I learned from Josh was uh, um, there was a moment, I, I think I made a joke about being all in on baseball. It was one of those like, I'm just going to do baseball and, or I'm just going to do this or whatever and whatever else happens, happens. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to do everything all in on this. And, you know, if anything else works out then cool. And Josh just stopped me. and was like, no, that's, that's not how you become successful. And I was like, what do you mean? Like putting all my effort into something? How, how is that not? And he he just said, diversify yourself if you if you're good at you if you put all your time into one thing when that fails what do you have you have nothing else anywhere else if you have five things if you have that, that you put time into and you become good at them it's better than having one thing that you're that you're great at that you're exceptional at uh, because if you have those five things that or even two or three things if something goes wrong with one of them you have those other two to hold you up uh, so whether that's your baseball in your school um, or skills that you're developing uh, out within each of those things, um, if you only focus on one thing in school, 
then if you can't find a job in that area, then you're going to struggle to find something, uh, especially if it's very specialized. Uh, you only focus on baseball. When baseball doesn't work out, what do you do? Where do you go? Because uh, it stops for everyone at some point. So uh, that that was a big takeaway from, from Josh. Uh, and there was a lot of them. There's a lot of things I learned from those guys. But um, from Rob is just, just do it. Just do it. Don't, Mike, don't sit around and think. Don't sit around and try and figure out how and, and all this stuff. Like, just do it. Because um, I'm bad about that. I'm, I'm an, I am an overthinker to the nth degree. And so... I, I changed a lot being around both of those guys and uh, for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things is you transition out of baseball, get into coaching, you know, in firefighting, you have your own business, you uh, train dogs and raise dogs. Like um, so you're doing a lot of stuff, but I definitely, I want to ask you a few questions. I want to get into this, but you know, how do you, how do you handle pressure? What advice would you give to people on dealing with pressure because you dealt with a lot of pressure playing sports and obviously now in life, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it is completely controlled by yourself. Um, ultimately nobody can really put pressure on you. People can, can do things and say things, but pressure is just something you feel on yourself. If I have 10 things I'm trying to do at once, I'm going to probably feel some pressure to get stuff done. Um, but it's, it's not, it doesn't come from, unless it is literally a physical pressure, pressure comes from within uh, and potentially a lack of confidence, potentially over uh, try overdoing things, trying to do too much at once, uh, but uh, a lack of planning, but um, dealing with, dealing with that pressure, uh, you have to prepare the best you can and have faith and trust in yourself that you're doing everything you can do. And I think that you, you nip it in the butt if you're prepared. Um, so pressure isn't something that is necessarily a, that you can heal, but I think pressure is something more that you can cut off before it ever happens. Yeah, that's great. One of the things too, you talked about your two kids and your wife, um, what has it meant for you to be a good husband and father? Man, it is, and you really, everybody's like, you won't understand it until you have your own, but you really, you really can't. Um, when you're responsible for teaching little kids how to think, it changes a lot of the things that you do. Um, and to hear just si simple stuff, my daughter to say, I can't do that. God, that eats me up, man. She didn't learn. She learned that from us. Like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have time. I can't do this. Like meaning I'm not able to, uh, and I don't ever want her to think there's anything she can't do. Um, to see their reactions to things, uh, it's learned. Everything they do is going to be based on something that that Delaney or I do, or someone who they look up to. Mainly us, because we spend most time around them. 
so to be a to be a good father, uh, you're responsible for raising someone and, and essentially teaching them how to think, how to how to do everything. Uh, so there's a whole lot of responsibility there, and and it's something I I, I don't take lightly. Um, being a husband, I. Nobody teaches you see what a good husband looks like in, in your parents or your aunts and uncles or people you spend time with. You see what that looks like, but nobody really teaches you how. Um, and so, and for, for me, I, I didn't know how, I didn't know what that looked like. I don't know. I knew there's problems of like, I'm not doing this right or I'm not doing that right or I'm not doing things, you know, things aren't always done the right way. Um, but sometimes you have to seek guidance. You have to seek a mentor. You have to go, you, uh, go find a mentor or a close friend or someone who specializes in a counselor or something to help you, uh, to help teach you and guide you in those, those ways. And, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But I think as, as a man opening up to say there's problems here, is you feel like you're letting somebody else in, but uh, I, I just think you have to you have to humble yourself again uh, to be better at at whatever you're doing, uh, and so to to be a better husband is to be a better father, uh, and so and again I don't take that lightly. Like that's other than other than my relationship with God. My relationship with Delaney is is the most important relationship that I have. Uh, but at the same time, as as anybody that as anybody knows, those closest people to you are the easiest ones to hurt and to you almost you take them for granted at times. Uh, and so that's something that all, all the all, or they're the people that uh, bear the brunt of your frustrations or anger at times. Uh, but also they bear the brunt of your greatest joys and happiness. So uh, to make sure that that joy and happiness is more of what you're bringing home than, uh, than anything and that you create that in your home, I think that's, some, that's something that means a lot to me and uh, I, I need to get a lot better at it I, and uh, I'm working at it and trying to do what I can and uh, the but ultimately like to look at my kids and know that the things that they do are because of what they've learned from me. Uh, it is a huge wake up call for the way you talk, the way you act, you, the way you walk around uh, because they just do everything and say everything that you do and say. Uh, and you start to notice what might go on at other people's houses based on what their kids are doing. And uh, I just want my kids and my, my wife to, to feel love and, and see love and <clears throat> in this house and, and, and respect. And that's what exudes out of them because that's what they see exuding out of me. So yeah, uh, long-winded answer, but it's, it's as serious topic as anything we've talked about today. What are some ways that you push yourself to grow on a daily basis? Uh, I spend a daily time with, with God. Like I spend a quiet time. Uh, that's, and there are times when I get busy or I don't wake up in time and, uh, and that doesn't happen. But, uh, 
that setting goals and, and ultimately just like keeping myself in check and, and Delaney keeping me in check of, am I doing the right things? Am I, am I really doing things towards what we want in our life together? Um, and I think surrounding myself with people who will hold me accountable, uh, having great friends like you, like, uh, like a handful of other people that, uh, that would tell me that would not hesitate to say, Hey, you're being a jerk. Like you, the way you're doing the thing that you're, or the thing that you're doing is not right. Or the way that you're handling this isn't right. Uh, and having other people around you to, that can lovingly tell you you're wrong uh, as a leader in any setting, I think is, is what you mean. So to, to better myself, I mean, in, in terms of personally and, and, uh, and spiritually, that's your answer. Physically, going and working out because it's a whole lot easier to think about. I can go to the gym for two hours and work out, and I'm getting better. But it's a lot different whenever that's an emotional uh, thing you need to work on or a mental thing you need to work on. Uh, so, spending that time and being receptive to those to those things from those people around you as well. Absolutely. Well, real quick, we'll go into the fire round. So basically I'll say a word or you can finish finish in a sentence or, or a word or two, whatever you feel like. So okay. you can do anything if. You can do anything if, uh, if you work, uh, which for me goes back to my day, anything if you work. If you, uh, if you get after it, you can do whatever you want to do. Resilience. Resi resilience is what's going to push you through uh resilience is what's going to make that work worth it because uh, there's going to be struggles and if you're not if you don't hit a rough patch then you're probably not probably not on the right path yeah favorite vacation spot my couch <laughs> i know you're you're the world traveler man i if i get to hang out and delaney brought this to my attention I was like, I don't want to go on all these vacations and go all these places. I just want to hang out at home. She's like, we went and went for years. She's like, we were always on the road playing and doing all this stuff. Like, and now I'm kind of getting the point where like, I could go for a vacation. It was like for three years, we were literally always on the road. So you're playing catch yeah. up on your sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so steady. If you stay steady and stay, when I think steady, I think consistent uh, and smooth. So that that's what I what I strive to be is is to to be something that somebody can rely on, a person that people can rely on, uh, and they know what they're getting every every time they come to me, no matter what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. Favorite baseball experience? That locker room in Stillwater. Uh, that that going to Mexico City that was like the coolest thing I did, uh, but as an experience, just just being in Stillwater with with those guys. Yeah, it all comes down to. Um, it all comes down to just taking care of people. Um, I think if if uh, if we're taking care of each other, then then. That's what the Lord calls to do is to take care of each other, to love on each other. Uh, then we raise kids who take care of people who love on each other. Uh, and 
we know there's plenty of plenty of uh, a lack of that going around these days. Um, and if we're if we can take care of each other, then then we don't have to look for somebody else. We don't have to look outside of our relationships that we have. We don't have to look to. I don't have to wonder if I if something goes wrong, what's going to happen. I know, mm-hmm. I know, because for me, I know that I've got you there. I know that I've got a couple of my couple, three of my other buddies that always be there. So just taking care of people. Yeah. So we're done with the fire round. Is there a certain piece of best advice that you've ever received? Keep it simple. Keep it simple. I, I think, I think it's, it sounds so dumb or so simple. I guess it doesn't sound dumb. It's pretty, it's pretty wise. Uh, but ultimately just keeping it simple, doing everything, uh, the easiest way, uh, not necessarily the easiest way, but instead of trying to do five things at once, do one thing and get it done and then do the next thing, do one thing five times. Uh, and that that's how you're successful. Uh, because even though Josh said diversify yourself, you can't spread yourself too thin, uh, cause that's awesome. That's also how you uh, can keep yourself from being successful. So, um, yeah, keep it keep it simple. Yeah. What about for someone who wants to, maybe someone who's young and wants to play professional baseball? What would be the best advice you give to a baseball player? Just get to work, set that goal, and uh, if and just and set the goal and set it set it in stone, uh, and that doesn't said it uh, for me it was a level at a time i wasn't trying to play in the big leagues when i was in junior college i was when i was in junior college i was trying to play in division one when i was in you know whenever i was in high school i wanted to play in college and i said it a step at a time um and even though that didn't always seem realistic it didn't change because i just decided be stubborn uh, that's where i i wanted that and that's what i was going to do and people were telling me that that's not what would probably be the best thing. You know, people were saying, you know, you may, you can go to this big school and not play. Okay. Well, I did that for one year and then the second year it panned out. Uh, and I'm sure there was people that, that doubted me during that first year. Uh, and that's fine because it worked out for me. It's what, it's where I wanted to be and I was happy doing it. So yeah, set that goal a step at a time and, and, uh, and be stubborn. Don't let anybody, uh, I guess that's back to the don't. Whatever somebody else says, it doesn't matter. You just focus on yourself and doing what you want to do. Yeah. So this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Uh, so I've heard you ask this to everybody. So obviously this one's coming, but um, when I think about it, it's excelling. So building excellence is excelling. Uh, so And building is creating something. So building something where I can excel. Uh, I don't feel like, I think understanding that you're not going to feel like you get to the place where, Hey, I built excellence, understanding that it's a constant, uh, building, uh, constant improvement, constant pushing yourself. Uh, so I don't know that I have a formal definition for you, but building excellence would just be a constant striving to better yourself, uh, better the things around you. Uh, better the people around you and 
just a constant striving for, for more or better. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Mike, you know, one of the things that when I did the fire round, I put steady in there. Uh, Cause when I think about you, I think solid, steady what you just described when you describe steady is exactly the person that you are, you know, no matter what, I know that I can always go to you whenever I need something uh, or just in general, you're just constant, steady. And, and you kind of seen that in your career. You're steady, constant, consistent, resilient. You do the work, you put the time in. And I hope people can get out of this is when they do that, good things will happen. If you set goals and you don't move it, you kind of be stubborn towards those goals, like good things will happen. And so anyway, I hope people are inspired by your story because it definitely is, is one that in some ways is a storybook ending, right? Or a storybook where you've had great success, but at the same time, you know, baseball is not really your life. You know, it's a part of your life, but being a good husband, a good father, uh, being uh, someone who owns different businesses and, and tries to be the best each and every day and excels. So you're a great example of building excellence each and every day. If someone was to want to reach out or follow you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I've got, I have uh, Instagram, I've got Facebook. I do, I do all that stuff. I'm not super active in it, but yeah. Uh, my Instagram is Mike, the free man underscore. But yeah, so that's my Instagram and then just Michael Freeman on Facebook. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's how you can get a hold of me. So yeah, hey, I well, just want to tell you, I want to tell you thanks for having me on, man. I, I'm really proud of you for uh, this is this podcast is something we've talked about for a long time. Uh and you stepping out and doing it. I, I you're doing an incredible job. Uh this is obviously being on here has nothing to do with me wanting to listen to it, but everything you've put out, man, it's been, it's been gold. It's been, there's been great takeaways for me from every one of these uh, that you've put out so far. And uh, just to be, for you to be one of my best friends and, and for you to be building excellence through your podcast uh, called building excellence. Uh, I'm just, I'm just really proud of you. And uh, I just wish you continued success through all this. Can't wait to see uh, how this continues to, to take off for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, Mike, thanks so much. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Uh, once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. <laughs>